back to the New York Pages podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and I'm alongside Mako Shragi. Today, it is all about Chesky. We're going to be having on goalie expert Kevin Woodley on to discuss his regular season playoffs. And with the Vezina and Hart winners being announced this week, uh, we're going to discuss which ones he deserves, which ones, you know, is he should be the finalist, but not the winner for and uh, much more. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll get right to it. Also, huge shout out to at Katie Spins on Twitter. She makes amazing custom jackets. Go check her out. Uh, that's at Katie Spins. And yeah, let's get to it. And now a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. And we are back with goalie expert Kevin Woodley. Kevin, how's it going? It's going good. It's going good. Well, I mean, we're uh, the morning after a 7 nothing Stanley Cup final win, so it's never good for us goalies when you see that many pucks going at one end. So no. a, little bit of, a little bit of fetal position over here after watching that last night. But we're all right. Yeah. So what got what got you into the goalie business of per se? Like, is there any specific reason or it was just, you know, something you just found interesting? Uh, to be honest with you, um, I was covering hockey like everyone else, um, just in general terms, working for Associated Press, doing a bunch of freelance kind of early 2000s is when I came out of college and got the gig. Uh, working for the AP, I used to freelance and string for everyone, hockey news, um, all kinds of different places, covered a couple cup finals for USA Today, but just more of a generalist and just writing about hockey and uh, it was the goaltending coach at the time of the Vancouver Canucks and now again of the Vancouver Canucks. He's had two stints here in Clark. Um, he's kind of a prolific writer. Like he's written uh, back around then. He had a manual called From the Crease that he was publishing. Uh, he went and sort of converted that to more of a newspaper format called Goalie News. And uh, Goalie News sort of had a lot of teaching tips and tools in it that he was producing. And then he wanted to add sort of more editorial. So he hired me to run the editorial side of that. And that's what got me into it. Not only was I talking to goalies for the magazine, but I was also editing and helping with the sort of editing process of his teaching material. And it just opened up a language and a world that was totally new to me. The idea that you know, like I said, like a lot of people at the time, it was, you know, good goal, bad goal, but no real understanding of what the goalie was trying to do. And once you start to read the technical background and understand just the finite details that go into teaching, coaching, and ultimately playing this position, it's just, it was a game changer. And it allowed me to sort of speak a language that in some ways is universal. Um, I remember sort of getting a heads up, going into the locker room, asking if uh, Bobrovsky talked um, or how he was with, with talking. And they're like, he's fine to talk, but he doesn't speak any English. And within, so good luck kind of thing. And within 10 minutes, we're both on our knees in the locker room, demonstrating different goaltending things and sort of having 
uh, communication with broken English and body language. And so, and, and some terminology, frankly, that is common, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what, what, what your native tongue is. There are certain phrases and ideas and concepts in goaltending that, that translate. So, uh, sort of changed everything for me. All of a sudden goalies were eager to have conversations because someone was asking them about some specifics that at the time, there's more people that do it now, but at the time, Nobody was. And so trying to understand, speak their language and, and quite quickly um, realized I had to try it too. I didn't play goal growing up. I didn't start to my mid thirties, but uh, through that experience, I just, I had to try it too. I had to start putting some of these things into play on the ice and playing with them and experimenting with them and feeling them and trying to understand them better. And I fell in love with that too. Like uh, just uh, passionately love, playing, talking about, writing about, learning about the position. And that's, yeah, long-winded, long-winded story for how I got started in goaltending, but that's that's what's gotten me here. I mean, yeah, no, I'm also a, a goalie as well, uh, ice hockey goalie. I'm just beer league, though, nothing uh, major. Uh, I play last night, it's exhausting, like absolutely exhausting. But, man, like when you make those saves, it's such a satisfying feeling, especially like when though it's a wide-open net and like, uh, you glove that one, snag that one out of the air, and the guy just looks to the ceiling. You just love it all day. It's just uh, something that feeling that's just like it's one of the best feelings. Yeah, um, I yeah, I love it. I love it. He, he, there's nothing. There's nothing else like it. Everybody else has to go back to the bench and take breaks. We don't have to. Right. Oh yeah. Exactly. See that. That's the thing. Like, even though like uh, one of the things I had last week was is that. Um, I didn't get a lot of shots on me uh, through the first two periods. Uh, we were leading one nothing, And all of a sudden, the first shot, and he's like, dude, how did you miss that? And I'm like, I, I didn't get a shot on for two minutes. It's actually better sometimes for the goalies to get more pucks on net than to get a little amount of pucks on net. Some goalies thrive on that because it keeps them in the zone. And uh, that, I don't know, personally, for me, I don't know about you, but for me, oh. that... I've written about it many times too. That, that exists right up to the National Hockey League level. There are guys that just struggle when they're not busy and they struggle to stay engaged. Pekka Rene for years was one of those guys. So what do you do when you have a problem like that? You find solutions. For a lot of guys, it's puck handling. I know with Vassi uh, in Tampa Bay, when they became a really good defensive team, the year of the first Stanley Cup, like they changed a lot about how they played. And all of a sudden he wasn't as busy. They didn't lean on him as much. So how do you stay engaged in games where you're not touching the puck as often and you're losing that rhythm and timing that you talk about, you need to make that next save. Well, you communicate with your defenseman a lot. You stay involved that way and you get out and you touch the puck any way you can. Like Pekka became an impeccable uh, puck handler would stop every rim. Guys used to talk about how crazy it was. He'd like go sliding into the boards in a butterfly to try and stop like a hard rims, like just anything to sort of stay engaged with the game. Because you're right, it's really hard when you're not seeing the puck, not touching the puck, and the guy at the other end is stopping bullets in his teeth and you're down there bored. And if your mind starts to go to, oh, geez, I better stop the next one because look what this guy's doing, you're screwed. You're done. You're already – sports psychologists will tell you you're, you're looking in the future. You're no longer in the present, like all those types of things. It's all true. Next shot mentality, golf and goaltending are the same easiest thing in the world to say next shot next shot hardest thing to keep your focus on so uh easy to say hard to do for a reason and there's a lot of guys that's actually one of the most impressive parts to me about uh Vassy in the Rangers series was his ability to not be busy at all frankly not get tested much at all like the game six he only had two high danger chances against 
and still be able to focus the way he was to make, you know, one of those two saves on the tough chances when it mattered after not seeing anything for long stretches, which just Jerkins down there stopping bullets in his teeth. So it's uh, like you're bang on. It's super hard to do. And that's why I think um, some goalies struggle. I think teams need to consider that as a factor when they sign a free agent goaltender. It was one of the question marks I had with Jacob Markstrom going to Calgary. Could he handle it behind a less busy team? He does now. Obviously, he's a Vesna finalist, but it took him more than a year to get adjusted to that type of style of play and not being as busy as he was here in Vancouver for, for the final two seasons he was here. I kind of screwed up for a sec. I'll edit that out. Don't worry about that. Sorry about that. Uh, so let's get into Shesty here, shall we? Um, what were your general thoughts on his regular season? Uh, the mentality-wise, uh, he, he's just like revolutionized. I don't know it's revolutionizing the, the goalie position, but I don't know. What are you, what were your takes? Uh, there are some elements of the way he moves from his knees in particular. Like he's an exceptional skater. Like he moves well, whether he's up on his skates or down on his knees. Um, you know, the skating, I would say, I don't know if it revolutionizes anything, but it's at a level like, and Saros is kind of the same way, reliant on uh, great skating, getting their set square on edges and holding edges and patience on edges off releases. And so I don't know if that's revolutionizing so much as it, it's certainly setting a, a really high standard. Like it's, you know, that's what he, one of the things he does best um, and sort of setting maybe a new standard with how well those two are doing it. Uh, it's on his knees when he moves from his knees around his crease, the way he keeps his upper and lower body connected, hands active, chest, thighs upright. And some of the movements in there, like, they're not revolutionary because you'll see like kids like 13, 14 years old doing these things as parts of their warm up. Some of the, you know, what, what some coaches have called dynamic skating when they're on their knees. So it's not like no one's ever done it before, but the way that he connects some of those movements, I'll watch kids do that in warm up, And then even NHLers, there's some NHLers that'll use some of the forward and backward C cut stuff from the knees in warm up, and yet never connect them in a game ever the way Shesterkin does uh, as cleanly as he does. There's some unique moves like pushing uh, like a forward C cut push to the top of the crease while also gaining rotation for then a push back to the right side of the crease using that push edge as a rudder. Most guys use the lead edge to get there and sort of create their, their rudder or their rotation. Um, so there are elements there that are revolutionary, uh, not in terms of nobody's ever moved like that before, but nobody's ever in some of, in some ways been able to connect those movements on the ice as cleanly. Well, in, in some cases connect them at all the way he does, but certainly not as cleanly uh, as powerfully and as connected as he does. Like he's, you know, everything is always sort of intact. He's always got access to his hands. He always has his chest up. It's pretty, it's got, we got to be into desperation mode, like real, real goalie nine one one stuff before you see him sort of get outside of his knees and get reaching and extended um, and overcommitted on anything. Like it's, it's gotta be time to overcommit before Igor Shesterkin actually does overcommit or get himself to the point where that's his last save. That's his last desperation move. And, you know, he's got to get back up and start again. If there's another save after that, um, his threshold for that is off the charts. And, and that's, I believe fueled by that movement on his knees in particular, like in addition to the skating, 
I think Ian Clark, going back to the, the same goalie coach, he put it best. I used it in an article. Uh, he's like a hovercraft out the, the way he moves around on the ice when he's on his knees. It's, it's pretty remarkable. And that, you know, that goes beyond setting a new standard that to me, there is some revolutionary aspects So that, that you'll see next generation. In fact, there was one we highlighted at Ingle and we saw junior kids trying it the next day, like sending us videos of them trying a particular move on the ice, that forward seat cut off left post, top of the crease and then back to the right post using that initial push edge to gain that rotation for that second push. It's, it's fun to watch when guys are basically reinventing things uh, while facing the best shooters in the world. So what do you think about his anticipation? Because I just feel like even when, you know, it's hard to see him out of position. And even when he does, like if someone's in back of the net and they throw it to the front of the net, he's already there. Like before the puck's on the tape of the, of the stick of the player, he's already there. I think that all goes back to the movement and the fact that it's when I talked about it being connected through the hands, it's also connected, like I said, like his upright chest, thighs stay high, which allows for easy clearance of the skates. As soon as we start to sit down in our stance and our butt drops, it's harder to get those push edges and that rotation because now you've got to lift back up more. And so think of, think of if I'm, if I'm lifting up and down because I've, I've sat down in my butt a little bit and now I've got to lift up to get an edge and then drop back down as I push. Um, every time I'm sort of bobbing up and down like that, and there's a lot of vertical movement, what happens? I'm losing visual connection, right? Like it's hard to maintain a good sort of visual connection on the puck because everything's sort of flailing in different directions. We call it counter rotation. You'll see a goalie load up for a big push. And as he loads up that right skate to sort of build momentum for it, or just in order to clear his body, if those thighs are too low and the butt's sitting down, he'll have to like, lift his whole body. It's like almost like a speed skater, you know, going back and forth and swaying. These guys will be moving and to push to their left, they'll swing their butt. They'll kind of rotate their body out to the right. And again, in addition to not being efficient and there being delays in that, um, you, you're, you, what happens? You're, you're bringing your head up and away from the puck and it's hard to maintain that visual connection. So I think a lot of the reads you see, I mean, the patience and the fact he's so quick and so agile on his skates, um, but he gets there early. He beats those plays. He, he moves. He's so level when he moves, whether it's from his knees or up on his skates. So you beat that play with that efficiency. You maintain connection with the eyes. You get to your spot and you're able to look off. You're able to look around and see what else is going on because you're ahead of the play. Reminds me of Demko a little bit in Vancouver here. He's never behind the play. And so his anticipation looks great because he beats the plays and he's able to get there and then assess what's going on as opposed to playing catch up, getting there and the puck's already moving somewhere else. And you haven't even had a chance to scan whether that guy's a left shot or a right shot. And when he gets that pass is a one-time or an option. Shesterkin gets there by the time that pass is made, he already knows what hand, you know, he's had a look. Is the guy a one T option? Do I need to slide across? Can I beat that on my skates too? Like just your ability to process the game is fueled obviously by your eyes. He clearly thinks the game well, but he gets to spots. Like I said, whether he's up on his skates or on his knees, he gets to spots early and in a manner that allows him to gather information quickly and, and make those reads. It's not just hockey IQ, which he clearly has a lot of. 
it's there's technical elements that fuel his vision that fuel that hockey IQ. You can think the game great, but if you can't see the game ahead of time by being by being able to get there and pick up those visual cues, it doesn't matter how well you think it or anticipate it. You're guessing it where where everyone is. And he sort of combines all those elements really well. And Kevin, all these all these attributes and, and I'm sorry, I've been quiet. I'm like dealing. I just had my first kid. So I'm dealing with that at the same time. Um, so basically, uh, the, one of the things that really, when I, when you have all these attributes and you're able to think the game out really well, he did, he doesn't just do this, you know, goalies have their great days, you know, they're seeing the puck really well, his consistency of being able to constantly do this, where he's, he's not just doing it one game. He's been doing it the whole season. He's been putting up, he's, he shows you every single game, how he could be under a great stress, but to him, he doesn't need to think out like exactly oh what is this guy doing what's that guy doing because it comes to him and he does it on a consistent basis where they might switch things up on him and he's still not flustered well to me consistency comes from technique when it comes to goaltending like it's not enough to be elite um you know like like good technique is not enough anymore there was a time there's a period in our game where just getting there and closing up the holes was enough it's, it's not even close, right? Like right. technique is not enough, but it does provide consistency. So all those things in his movement that I talked about that feel the anticipation, that feel the early eyes, the early arrival, the ability to sort of get there, be set square and have a look, um, they're all fueled by a really solid technical foundation. And so I'm not surprised that there's, well, the level of consistency is, is admirable, right? So I shouldn't say I'm not surprised. But when you look at how he moves and the consistency within all those patterns, all those movements, hits his spots every time, um, there's not a lot of sort of looseness in his game. And so that allows you the opportunity. Like I said, it, it, it provides a, a, a base, a foundation. Um, guys that move a lot more, like come out above the crease and play with some backwards flow. And there's sort of there's looseness in their movements. To me, they're the ones that are more prone to the highs and lows that come with relying on athleticism or relying on reads or, you know, relying on rhythm and timing. Uh, every goalie relies on rhythm and timing to a certain extent. The ones with a better technical foundation make themselves, in my opinion, a little less reliant. So you tend to see a little, you know, fewer highs and lows. The 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 valleys aren't as deep and the mountains aren't as high. There's that, that baseline. And this is no matter what speed, right? This is the, yeah. If you have a faster team or a slower team, the, the rhythm was still to their mind going to be the same. I go back to what I said about Demko. He's never behind the play, right? I don't care how fast it moves. He's ne- like, it's, I can count on one hand the times where the puck moved around the zone and he got behind on a play. Like it, it just doesn't happen. And just Erickson's the same way. And so when you have that speed in your game, but also consistency of execution within that speed, it just sets you up for everything else, right? It sets you up. Even if you're not reading the game well, you're a little late picking up cues, you're still hitting your spots, right? And you're still hitting your spots and getting there. And in his case, like I said, even if he doesn't feel as patient, like because his patience on his edge is off a release, holding that, not committing early. I mean, they're otherworldly. And I think they're fueled. I've heard Lundquist talk about a lot by his setup and his stance. And there's sort of a calmness to the way he holds those edges. But even if he, he feels off, a little bit in terms of his patience or some of those timing elements that I said, every goal re- relies on to certain degrees. He's still there. Like, even if he's, even if he's a little going down a little early, he's not feeling his patient off a release. 
um, he's still there. He's always there. He's always in the right spot, early set square. And so, hey, he does commit early on a guy who's showing shot because he's not feeling great. And that guy moves the puck instead. Well, okay, now he's maybe a little bit behind his ideal, but he moves as well on anyone as, as anyone ever has on his knees so he can catch up. Like, I just think it's all those move. The game is all, if you can't move at the NHL level as a goalie anymore, you can't play. And nobody moves, in my opinion, right now, as well as Igor Shosturkin. And so that fuels both the excellence, the highs and the, and the peaks, but also provides a foundation to make, make sure that the valleys aren't that low. Um, I mean, you mentioned, uh, what's it called? I, I, I'm sorry, I wanted to mention about regarding his stick handling here. Uh, it's just, it's incredible. I mean, he had highlights here. Uh, the Rangers were tweeting out. Uh, of him just <laughs> shooting one-timers, a uh, better shot than I could ever shoot. Uh, it, it's just incredible. Have you seen a goalie ever this skilled in stick handling? Uh, you know, I mean, Mike Smith can chuck it as well as anyone. Um, I think that uh, there, you know, and, and there's some guys that are over, uh, underrated a little bit in this regard, like Tristan Jari handles the puck incredibly. Uh, Alex Nedeljkovic, um, those are guys that racked up a lot of apples and, and you know, would be on my list of who's going to score a goal next, like Shesterkin, Jari, and Delkovich would be three amongst them. I know everybody thinks of Smith, but who, who would you go for? Out of those three, well, I mean, Igor just missed this year. I think, I think, uh, I think Ned's come. I think Ned's got a couple in the A, and I think Jars has a couple in the A as well. Like I think they've got goals in their past. Uh, the way Shesterkin chucks it, it's easy to put him at the top of that list. But there, I, I guess what I'm saying is there are guys that can do it uh, at that level. It's a pretty short list. Kerry handles the puck really well, but what Kerry does is just put it in good spots. Uh, he's less the, you know, 60-foot saucer pass or the 100-foot in the air land on the far blue line for the empty net and more just finesse. And I think Igor's got a little bit of that in him too. There are times um, where he can maybe get a little aggressive, try and make a pass when – uh, pass up the zone, up the blue line when a simple leave or a quick over for a defenseman might be a more prudent play. Um, so you always have to balance that. Obviously, we saw Mike Smith, the poster boy for this. Right. He handles, handles it as well as anyone, but it's sort of risk management. It's not just how well you move it, but when you move it to the right spots. Knowing and, the right situations and then moving it in the right the right way. I mean, yeah, find with, that can, you know... Um, finds that the right situations, although sometimes we're all looking at it and our heart starts palpitating and we start screaming to ourselves, don't do it, don't do it. And he does it anyways. But at the end of the day, many times he does get our, especially when the Rangers have sometimes a hard it's time. It's so rare he turns it over. I, I think, I don't think rare. I count on my fingers how many times. I think you I remember count that how time, many fingers. I'm not sure if it was, I think it was in the playoffs or the regular season where I think it was even in the playoffs where he went behind his net to re- you know, to send it back and they forechecked pretty hard and they got the puck and they sent it in front and just completely missed it. Uh, I forgot who we were playing, uh, but he has times like this. Right. That was like the, re- that was so rare. That was I so rare. My fingers how many he does times. so many things so well. And, you know, I'm a Rangers fan. Jacob's a Rangers fan. And so we're maybe, I'm not going to say biased, but. Or we're going to say biased here. Yeah. We're going to say biased. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at this point, I feel like we're almost, it's almost in an obvious sense that he's the Vesna. At this point, I mean, I don't. Oh, find yeah, that. No. yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Like, if he doesn't win the Vesna, the GM should all be fired. He should never get to vote again. That might like, be anyway. But we'll <laughs> never get destroyed. 
Besides Chris Jericho, everyone's fired besides Chris Jericho, of course. Well, like, honestly, like, I've always, I believe me, like, we get off on a tangent here about GMs voting for the Vezina and the amount of stupid decisions. And some of them do ask their goalie coaches, and sometimes their goalie coaches ask me for some data to make sure they can back up their presentations. But you wouldn't believe some of the answers I've heard over the years. I'm like, oh, I can't tell my GM to vote for that guy. He hates him. Like, really? And then he probably shouldn't have a vote, eh? Um, <laughs> that kind of crap happens. Uh, so... Um, listen, he should win the Vesna hands down. There's no doubt, like bet the farm, bet the mortgage, whatever. Um, it's gotta be, it's gotta be, uh, I did a piece and I can't remember where it ended up. Um, the final numbers, but I understand the hesitation on the heart. I don't think he'll win the heart because there were some incredible offensive seasons by guys like Matthews, obviously with the goals and McDavid with the points and dry and all these guys, but honest to God, like, if, I think if he kept 940, then he then it would have been a slam dunk. But when you really break it down, the gap between his save percentage, where he finished, 935, 936? 936. 936. So I'm just trying to find the article I had on it. But um, I mean, you compare that to, to prices. I, I compared it to everyone. Like the gap between his save percentage and NHL average save percentage this year was bigger than the years that Dominic won oh my the Hart Trophy. Like, it was the biggest gap. Like, oh, the gap you, between if, him and second place was damn like, – like, it was right there with any, any other season. Like, he had – you know, as much as I don't think he's going to win the Hart, the argument was there. He had one of the greatest goaltending seasons in NHL history. Like, I just – I, I believe that to be true. So, um, yeah, I'm just, it's, uh, I, you could make that argument. Uh, what day are they what announcing the it today? What did you say? Sorry, I just wanted to say, what day are they announcing the Vesna and Hart uh, this week? 20, 21st. 21st. Okay, we, got, oh. we only got two days till he wins it. Yeah, so his difference, like he was 936. What did NHL average finish at? I did the story sort of in March and obviously numbers changed um, before the end of the season. So um, I don't know what his gap ended up. I'm trying to do this on the fly. Nothing like doing an active search while you're trying to talk. Um, You're all good. (laughs) I mean, I know that feeling. I've done that on live. I've done that on live radio. It doesn't work. So So, yeah, the uh, save percentage actually dipped to 907, which is incredible because in the first quarter of the season, it was on pace for historic rise. Um, so 907 and he was 936. So that's a 29 point difference. Pashik won the heart with a 26 and a 25 point difference. Theodore had a 23 point difference. Kerry was an 18 next best save percentage in the league. Um, you know, like Dom's biggest gap was 10 points ahead of the next best guy. And now I don't know where, who, I don't even know who finished second behind you or this year. I, they don't pay much attention. I to think it was Saros. No. Wasn't it Sorokin? Didn't he have? Oh, he had less games. No, I think it was Sars. No, here I'll look it up. Or Vlade Huso. Yeah, and anyways, point being on that one is that um, you know I think yeah, it ended up it actually ended up being Sorokin at nine. I was right. I wasn't Sorokin. Yep, there you go. And that's a ten point gap. Every Islander fan was telling me that. Don't worry. His, his gap, uh, Sorokin might be like this conversation about best in the world is probably going to be Vasilevsky, Shusterkin, and Sorokin over the next few years. Like that's wow. how good Ilya Sorokin is. As that, well. that that sort of stings for the for for the Metropolitan. You know what I mean? 
I said, it makes it a little hard. But just to get like, so that gap, Igor's gap above NHL average save percentage is bigger than any gap of any goalie that won a Hart Trophy, including Hashik's back-to-back domination years. And his gap between second place matches Hashik for the biggest gap uh, in 97-98. There was a 10-point gap between him and second place. Like the gap between Carey and the next best was 0.004, right? Like his year was better than Carey. Like Carey won the heart. Igor's year was better. Like it, it was just better statistically. Would you vote for Igor? I'm saying like I know a lot of people are going to vote for Matthews, but what would you do? I got a goalie. I'm mean, like they'll take away my goalie union card if I give you any other answer. Of course, I'm voting for the goalie. There we go. You know, but just for the record, I don't have a vote. So because I was ah, okay, I was wondering. I, I wasn't sure if you did. I, I haven't had a I haven't had a vote in a while because I work for NHL.com now. We don't we don't get uh, we don't get those kind of things. Anymore. Got it. So now that we've kind of done the regular season, let's move on to the playoffs. Um, I mean, his mentality in uh, games one and two, he was incredible. But games three and four, you know, he was shaken up with the away crowd and all that. The mentality to bounce back from that, I don't know the save percentage exactly from games five to game seven. But, I, I mean, take us through it. How does a goalie have that strong of a mentality to want to bounce back like that? Well, I think you saw it in the first round too, didn't you, a little bit in Pittsburgh? Like, you know, like there, there were some situations in these playoffs that were new to him, right? Like, like there is still learning curves to happen for him at this level. Not many left, but, um, you know, so, so what happens? Pittsburgh creates a lot with tips and lateral tips and things like that. So, you know, you struggle. How do you solve it? You get back to work. Well, I mean, the one common thread, like you won't find a bigger – fan of Henrik Lundqvist I'm not sure in the world than me and what he did when he was with the Rangers and the one common denominator between the two guys is Benny Allaire as the goalie coach in 2005 when he left Arizona and went to the New York Rangers I remember getting sort of ridiculed because I said the biggest signing of the offseason will not be a player Uh, I don't care what the free agent market looked like that year the biggest signing will be Ben Waller leaving Arizona to go to the New York Rangers and what do you have since Lundquist and now Shusterkin? So what happens when Igor has struggles in Pittsburgh? They go to work on the same stuff. I saw the video. Specifically dial down on the things that are giving you trouble. Don't deviate from your foundation. Trust it. It got you here. We see a lot of time guys will chase change. Oh, this isn't working. I better change. Well, you better not change the wrong thing because you might be changing away from the things that actually make you good. So when you have a guy like Benny Allaire as your goalie coach, you, you dial in on the things that make you good. There's a foundation there, a system he uses um, that clearly works. You don't deviate from that. And you just make adjustments based on situation specific things. Like, again, like the game didn't change. The moment might've gotten a little bigger. Some of the ways that the Penguins, that's the one thing that will change in the playoffs. Teams will find tendencies and attack them like they, like no other. Like it's crazy. By the end of the playoffs, you know everything about the goalie that's in the net. By the Stanley Cup final, there is nowhere to hide. Uh, sometimes overstated, frankly, um, from our side of things on the media side. And hey, that's the job, right? Look for tendencies and, and you get into it. Um, I just think that that for Igor, it seems like he's a guy. And see, I haven't had this conversation. This is one where being able to have these conversations would, would make it easy to speak a little more definitively because I can watch a video and tell you about all the technical things, but I, I, without having those conversations, I don't get to look inside his head, right? I can tell you what's going on between the pipes, but I can't tell you what's going on between the ears. So you look for road signs along the way, signals that he's handling moments the right way. And to me, 
the fact that, yeah, there were some bumps along the road in these playoffs, but he always sort of managed to get back to being Igor. Um, yeah, address maybe some of the specific things that are happening. Like I said, the tips and deflections and things like that against Pittsburgh, but don't change your foundation. Don't chase change. Don't try and do too much. And it takes some guys years to learn that. I've used this example a lot recently, um, but he shared it with me uh, last summer. I mean, Freddie Anderson's been along around now for how long? Like, like he's had a few playoff runs, right? Uh, it wasn't until last summer he worked with a sports psychologist that we know uh, here at Ingle. And last year's playoffs, I was really, and this is why I was really sad not to get to see him play in this year's playoffs because he had such a good year. But last year's playoffs was the first time in his entire career that he went into the postseason thinking, just play my game. Just do what you've done all year. Every other year, he went into the playoffs with the mindset, oh, man, it's the playoffs. Now I need to be better. Like, can you imagine? Like, all the things you work on all year, like, that's the foundation. Why would you need to be better? You just need to be you. It was good enough in the regular season. It doesn't change. You can't. Golf and goaltending, you'll hear me make this analogy a lot because it's in some ways, and you know this, Jacob, it's a very singular position. You're kind of back there on your own. You're part of the team, but you're sort of playing your own sport behind the sport that they play. Um, and sometimes language. you're your own worst enemy. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I got a tattooed on the inside of my arm. It's the Ken Dryden quote. Like the biggest enemy of a goaltender is, is not goaltender. a, you know, is, is, is himself. Right. Like it's it's not a quirk of size or style or opponent. It's himself. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of goalies over the years. Like I said, Freddie's a great example because he shared that story with us. And like, it's crazy to me. Like you can't. It's like golf. Right. This we break down goaltending biomechanically the same way they do a golf swing. We talk about that one shot uh, at a time mentality in golf the same way we do in goaltending. Like it's so easy to say and so hard to do, right? The other thing about golf and goaltending that is very similar, uh, other than the singularity of the position and the sort of loneliness that can come with being, it's just you out there. You can't try harder. You can't. Like you can't. Be be the way you were and that's it. If you try harder, you're going to crash. You're going to lose. You can't, like you cannot... If I'm having a crappy game, I can't go out like a forward and just like, ah, I can't score right now. So I'm just going to run someone through the end boards to get my team some momentum that way. Like you don't get to dictate anything as a goaltender. The game has to come to you. And that's right. so the idea that I'm going to do more or try harder in the playoffs is patently absurd. And it's right, just because you, you. you need everyone right. around you to help you. It's not right. It's like you yeah. need them to, to clear that net front, especially. That's why I always tell my team, Please, for the love of God, get that first goal. A zero-zero game drives me nuts. Absolutely nuts. I, I like even if we're down two to one, that's easier for me than zero-zero. Just I know my team's doing something. I know it's one nothing. I know it, I know we're going somewhere. So as long as my team plays a part, I could play my part because it's frustrating sometimes. There's nothing you do. You can't score. You can't make plays. You, you can't like unless you're Shostak and you can't make plays. But I, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's a very frustrating and a mentally challenging position and the matter of fact that just just pulled this off not just in the regular season but in the postseason is phenomenal and yeah. i wanted to ask you since yeah, obviously you and me are probably the biggest long post fans i'm sure is probably too but goalies you know um oh yeah yeah oh yeah i'm a, uh, I'm a huge long guy yeah uh oh my god um seriously but, 
You think you, as a ranger? No, I'm just saying, like from a goalie perspective, we could appreciate what what he's doing. I'm not. I'm not meaning like to take you out of it, Dragon. I'm, I'm no, just no, saying from no, a goalie, I got it. I mean, a goalie's Lundquist, uh, perspective. Lundquist, yeah, I mean, Lundqvist was definitely something else. But, uh, I mean, I think Jacob's going to get to something that most people would be like, eesh. Is, I, yeah, I, I know a lot of, I'm going to get a pushback from this on Twitter, but I have to ask this. Do you believe Shesterkin can rival Henrik Lundqvist? Oh, man. Okay, so. I know that's a hard one, yeah. Is the foundation there right now and the level of brilliance that we've seen so far put him on a trajectory? To rival Lundqvist and what Henrik did in New York? Yeah. Is the skill set there to do it? Absolutely. But, and this is why, uh, you know, I've been kind of maybe a little premature. And I should say, like, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys used the video, but over my shoulder as we talk is a Lundqvist Sweden jersey. Yeah, I saw that. A Luongo Canada jersey and a Carey Price jersey. And I think at Ingle, we were actually probably the first people to sort of just kind of come out and say, like, hey, Andre Vasilevsky is the best goal in the world right now. It's not, it's no longer Kerry. And we do work with Kerry every summer and like love Kerry. And I think he's just incredible goaltender. Saw what he could still do in the playoffs last year. Um, but it was like, hey, like, like Vasi's it right now. He's the top guy. And I was maybe a little premature this year. I was ready to say the same thing. Like, like Igor is the guy now. Like, like I think that title belongs to Igor. And I had an NHL goalie. I, w- I won't name him because it was a casual conversation actually just last week and I was, wasn't really on the record, but he kind of like told me to slow my roll a little bit. Um, not because there was anything wrong. Like Igor, he thinks is like this, everything we talked about, like what he's doing is incredible. Is it so broken? <laughs> how, how he does it is incredible. No, it, it's, I know. I'm not trying to name someone and try to get the name. I was just joking because like <laughs> usually their rivalry and all that. No, I have never, I haven't had I haven't had the opportunity to to speak to him. Uh, language barriers and all, I think. Um, but is that hard? Is that hard? I mean, especially with a guy like Shesterkin who doesn't speak much English. And then Shesterkin, I, mean, I think, speaks. I Not honestly, it, to me, I, we just need back in the rooms. Bob didn't really speak either, and like I said at the beginning of this, we we had a great conversation, right? Like it's 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 a matter of getting back in the rooms. To me, to me, anything you do on a, I can't learn anything up there in a in a zoom or at a bloody podium like i need to have an actual conversation with the guy and that requires being in the room so hopefully that's next year um but the point was and this ties into the lundquist conversation what made him part of what made him remarkable was that the level he played at he did year after year after year after year and vassy has done this for year after year after year after year um at such a high level and I think that's the caveat. You can't, is everything there for him to have that type of career? Absolutely. Like all those things, like all those things I talked about in terms of, you know, and, and Henrik, you know, we had Henrik on the Ingle radio podcast. Jeez. Um, probably a couple months ago, like a little after, after the retirement, one of the best hours, like we spent a whole hour with him. It was just incredible stuff. Um, and he'd be the first to tell you that there are things that Igor does that he couldn't do, right? Like that's the evolution of goaltending. And like I said, Igor is pushing some of those things into new territory for all goalies. So, um, he absolutely has the ability to get there, but, but like durability counts. Like one of the biggest abilities for a goalie is durability. You got to be able to be there on a night in night out basis. Not, not maybe so much night in night out. Like we used to think of it, 
but you know, 55 games a year. Can you do that year after year after year? What Vassie's doing right now, and I know he's coming off a tough night the other night, but with the amount of games he's played and the amount of playoff games he's played, uh, the consistency with which he's played it at is, is remarkable. His ability to hit that high level is remarkable. And so, um, does Igor get there? I can't tell you. Are all the tools in place for him to have as equally brilliant to have a hall of fame career? Yeah, it's all there, but much like everything else in goaltending, much like, you know, you're talking about thinking forward, as soon as you're not in the present, you're in trouble if you start thinking ahead. And so to project what's actually going to happen is just unrealistic. But all the tools are there for him to have a career just like Henrik. Absolutely. All righty. Uh, I think we're going to stop it here. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. It was very insightful. Uh, yeah, hopefully Shosturkin could be that consistent goalie to, you know, rival Lundqvist. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Let's go, Rangers. Uh, my pleasure. I... Uh... I hope oh, I'm listen. sorry. I, I I do this every single podcast. I apologize here. Uh, if you want to mention what you do, uh, your Twitter handle, all that stuff. Uh, well, um, I work for NHL.com, cover the Canucks mostly, write a goalie column for them. But then my passion is probably more on the in-goal magazine side. Um, honestly, if you're not a goalie, it's probably not for you. But if you are a goalie, ingoalmag.com, we have a subscription site. Uh, we have a free podcast that you can listen to. I think we're 175 episodes in. We have guys like Lundquist and Renee, and a lot of the names I've mentioned on here have been on the show. Um, but our website, ingoalmag.com, has a subscription component that if you're a goalie, um, there's nothing like there's nothing else like it in the world. We sit down and do video breakdowns with NHL goalies. They walk us through their saves, what they're reading on a play. We talked about Shesterkin's ability to gather information and make decisions based on how a play is coming at them every single week. We have an NHL goalie breakdown video in that manner with us. Um, drills, tips, things on the ice in the locker room, hopefully back again soon with NHL guys sort of sharing their experiences and uh, actually sharing the drills. They like the drills they like to do. We were on the ice with Terry price working with kids. So whether you're a young goalie, a beer league goalie, or we have 150 last I checked a little more, uh, professional goalie coaches right up to the NHL level around the world that subscribe. If you're a goalie, we've got something at ingoalmag.com that'll make you a better goalie. Terrific. And no, it's, it's crazy. You got Henrik Runkers on. That's like my dream to like, well, there was one time uh, I was online, you know, like out of MSG, they come out of MSG and like, you know, they wait for the players, like just out of every arena. I was the last person and I was finally there to get an autograph and he left I was the last person there and I was like, Oh my gosh, I went an hour. It, it was, it wasn't the greatest experience, but yeah, one day, one day, I, I don't know when, when will, will be the big, big, big fake. Hopefully one day I will get Lundquist. I, I know it sounds unrealistic, but maybe one day we'll get him on. Um, all righty. Uh, thank you so much for coming on coming and uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Perfect. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it.